Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, the show produced in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. My name is Matt Wakeling, and thank you so much for joining me. Now today, in episode number 92, we speak to Steve Kilby of The Church, an iconic Australian band that have enjoyed over 30 years of success in a fantastic career. Now Steve joins me today to talk about uh, a show he is being part of called The Ones We Love, celebrating REM, the hits from 1982 to 1992. And this this show features an all-star lineup with Jeff Martin from the Tea Party, Steve, of course, from the church, Ron S. Pino from Died Pretty, Trish Young from The Clouds, Alana Rusak from The Hummingbirds, and uh, some other fantastic Australian musicians all celebrating the work of REM. So it was very cool to speak to Steve about that. And we also spoke about the 30th anniversary of the church's album, Starfish, which featured the hit Under the Milky Way. And uh, the whole album was was a killer. And uh, there's a bunch of shows happening in Australia and throughout the States uh, to celebrate that milestone. So I caught Steve on an unseasonably beautiful winter's day in Sydney. He was about to take a swim over at Coogee Beach, but hard before he did that, he spoke with me. So here's our interview. Steve Kilby, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Glad, glad I'm here. Now we're here to talk about, uh, well, a, a few things, but, but principally the ones we love celebrating REM, which is a really great looking show featuring yourself and some, some fantastic Australian vocalists celebrating yeah rem's back catalog how did this gig come about or this series of gigs um well they rang me up and asked me and the band are a really good band i've already done the cure thing with them okay there was yeah so they're they're really they're a great band they're sort of members most of them are ex-members of glide okay um So I first met them when I did the Glide tributes because I used to say how much I like. I used to always be saying that. And then also a funny thing happened with me is that when I started off in music with the church, so like 40 years ago, well, 40 years ago with the church, I was sort of like a bass player and a songwriter, but I really wasn't much of a singer. I knew I wasn't much of a singer and I didn't expect myself to be much of a singer and I didn't expect the audience to think I was much of a singer and I didn't think much about my singing and I just sort of did what I could with what I thought I had and so sort of all this time later it kind of it interests me to think that people want me to as a singer like devoid of my songs and stuff that I would just be asked to sing other people's stuff and it started with the Triffords and um, I did, I did the Triffids, and then I've done so many now. I'm sort of available as a gun, gun for hire as a vocalist. <laughs> That's I've great. Done, I've done Bowie and uh, Jeff Buck, Buckley and Leonard Cohen and the Go Betweens, and oh, so many I can't think of them all. Um, uh, and the Cure one that was great. So. So, you know, when, the, when this crowd ring me up and ask me to do it, I'm kind of interested. I'm very interested in doing it, see if I can bring something to it. Sure, sure. I mean, all those artists you're mentioning, Bowie, The Cure, The Triffids, you know, you've got such a character, full voice. It's no wonder you're, you're slotting into these different things and, and being asked to interpret the stuff. 
Look, I, I, I do have a characterful voice, but it's not a um, it's not a great voice per se, and I don't have a great range either. So it's sort of like um, it's my voice, and I don't sing like anybody else, but it's still a challenge sometimes to sing other these people's songs. When I did David Bowie, I had to get everything lowered down three semitones okay, from sure. where he was singing it. Yeah. So um, not that that's that's not really here nor there, but I don't have a, like a really I don't have a huge range, so it's going to be interesting to sing, see if I can actually sing um, all of these songs. Sure. See if I, the first rehearsal's on Sunday. Awesome. I'll have to, uh, yeah. So it's kind of a challenge. Yeah. Do you know what songs you're singing on yet? Or are you, I guess uh, you know, are you allowed to divulge I, what you're singing? Um, well, I do know. Um, I have been told which ones they are. I haven't yeah. started doing my homework yet. Sure. Um, I'm doing the. I'm doing Driver Eight. Oh yeah, great. I'm doing. I'm doing um, the ones I love. Yeah, great. Which is the biggie, I guess. Is that the biggie? Seeing it's called the ones we love. I think so. I think it's the title. Track. I guess so. Well, I'm doing the big one. The That's big cool. Kahuna. Nice. Yeah. How, how did you decide who sang which songs? Because there's some great vocalists joining in as well, of course. Yeah. Well. They just assigned them to me. They just said, "They just said we want you to do these ones." And uh, Paul, the musical director that I've worked with a few times now, he kind of knows what I can do with my voice. So he sort of picked the ones that he thought would be most suitable for me to sing. And it's interesting, REM. They their first album came out probably a, a couple of years after the Church's first album. So in, in some ways, your your careers have sort of paralleled chronologically at least um, until they until they wrapped up. Well, what's it about REM that resonates with you in particular? Um, I'm look. I'm approaching this more like I'm pretty neutral towards REM, mm -hmm. um, and I I've never been a huge fan, um, and I'm more like I'm more interested in more interested in applying myself to this and seeing what I can do with it. I'm not a sort of, I'm not doing it because I was a huge fan. Sure, sure. Um, pretty much like when I did Leonard Cohen, you know, I wasn't sort of a massive Leonard Cohen fan, but I wanted to see, see if I could sing the songs. I sort of respect R.E.M. Um, I, I respect them. I certainly envy them their huge success, but um, I saw not, it's not one of those ones like Bowie where you're sort of like, oh God, I'd let please let me sing it. It's more like, it's more like, I'm wondering what I can. It's an interesting challenge. Something, it's good to, it's like being asked to if you're an actor and you always play villains, and then someone says, hey, how would you like to play a hero? And you go, oh, okay, I don't normally do that, but I'm I'm going to give it my best, you know. And Maybe in doing this, I will have find a new appreciation of REM and their words and their their songs, and because I still don't know a real lot about them other than the kind of big hits they had. Did you find with the Leonard Cohen gig that that you came out of that with a different appreciation for the material? I I think I did, yeah, yeah, I did, yeah, definitely you do when you've got to learn the words and you've got to think about them and then you've got to represent them to an audience and kind of give them your own spin and your own slam. I think you learn you learn a lot when you sing somebody's song and you have to learn to sing it. And you might think you might think you know a song. I thought I, I was a big fan of the Triffids. I thought I knew their songs, but when it came to singing them I didn't know them nearly as well as I thought I did. And I had to um I had to learn them properly and um 
it's a whole different thing. So, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that aspect. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, there's, there's a difference between singing along to something in the car and actually there is. having to nail I, it on the show. Now, you think it's the same thing, wouldn't you? But it isn't. It really isn't when you're, and things aren't where you thought they were. When you're the only singer, when you know the other guy's singing along in the car and you know the, the, the singer on the record is going to come in at a certain spot, you sort of, um, but when when that isn't there and you're actually just singing them on your own, it's it's not as always easy as you think to know where you are and which bit you're up to and how many choruses there are before it goes the middle eight and then there's a you know five bar break or something. You've got to um you you really got to learn it and inhabit it in a new way. Do, do you see any common ground, maybe I don't know, aesthetically or, or otherwise, between REM and the church? Like to me, I hear there's a different it's a different kettle of fish, I guess, but there's still sense of melancholia and and the dreamy in in some of the material in that sense sense, yeah a bit of melancholia and and dreaminess Mm -hmm. um people there were a lot of it's weird for me because a long time ago a lot of people were writing stuff like oh the church of australia's answer to rem right and um nothing could be further from the truth um we weren't Australia's answer to anything and certainly not them. So I sort of, when I know it wasn't their fault, but this is how it works in music. When you start getting compared to someone that you don't want to be compared to, you kind of like, you tend to steer clear of them a bit. Uh-huh, so sure. I, I don't really know a lot about them. I haven't really listened to their albums. I only, only heard the singles. I know they are m- melancholic. Um, they're more direct than the church and they weren't, I don't think not as nearly as, um, but maybe on their albums they were, but the things that I heard aren't sort of as musically adventurous. They sort of, and plus they only have one guitarist. Yeah. So, you know, they don't have all that kind of, um, that stuff we have with the two guitars with all the overtones and undertones. And they, we're, we're into a lot of guitar trickery and gadgets and they're kind of pretty, got a pretty simple, straightforward kind of thing going sure yeah i can see some similarities between your guitarist and uh and pete buck but definitely yeah having two players there's all that interplay that you guys yeah took full advantage of for that's, sure and that that's what we were all about musically uh-huh. was the, the interplay all the delay you know every both guitarists had so much delay on their guitars that notes were floating around for minutes and all and then they're all reacting with all the other notes and we're getting all these this kind of like a an audience, uh, an orchestra playing in the background that's not really there, but it seemed the guitars seemed to be creating it, you know. Whereas, look, I read an interview with Peter Buck, and he said, he said I'm a very simple guitar player. He said kids come down the front to watch me play, and I think, hey kid, nothing to see here, <laughs> just just C and D. Yeah. And he's right. He's just playing C and D. You know, he's just playing the most simple, basic ordinary kind of things like um sort of like Creedence Clearwater Revival like just straightforward kind of rock but um with very little effects and stuff but mm-hmm. still um but still it's what they what they came up with was great I don't I'm not saying that but sure, sure. Sort of, they didn't have they didn't have all the guitar stuff that we had not at all sure well hey talking about the church this year also marks um, 30 years since the iconic Starfish 
album came out. That's, that's, that's correct, yes. 88, yeah, excellent. And you, you guys are playing a bunch of shows to celebrate that. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, okay. Um, 30 years, where did it go? Um, yeah, in 1987, we made this album. In 1988 in LA, it came out um, and was kind of our most successful record and uh, sold, you know, over a million copies. And um, 30 years on, somebody's had this genius idea, 30th anniversary. We've got so many records out that any every year's an anniversary for one record or another yeah it must be yeah that's great it's like every every year we can go next year can be um such and such as um anniversary record came out 20 or 30 or 15 or 10 years ago um so it's a great premise and i like the idea of playing an album in its entirety i like that i like that people know exactly what they're going to get the band know exactly what they're going to do and um, we just sort of got to do that with a bit more thump, I think. Just produce the album exactly as it was. Just have a bit more power. Sure. Very cool. That that'd be great. Can't wait to to see those shows. Um, when when do they come about? It's is it late November or December? Where which city are you in? Yeah, I'm in Sydney. Yeah, in Sydney. That's right. We are, we said that before, didn't yeah. we? Um, it's at the State Theatre. I think it's late November, early December. Yeah, great. One yeah. of those. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I will keep our eyes out and on the uh, on the band website. All that, all those details are there. And I see after this run of the um, the REM shows, uh, you guys are heading over to the states for a couple of shows. You've still got some business uh, over we're there. Do, yeah, we're doing a month. We're doing a month in America. Nice. So that's that doorway is, has stayed open over over the years. The US. Thing? It's always stayed open. Yeah, like cool. under the Milky Way and Starfish was sort of. We were kind of an underground cult band before that. Yeah. So yeah. It, Starfish wasn't totally rags to riches, and our album before that, Heyday, had done pretty well in America. But then Starfish really took off, and we were kind of. So we had the. Yeah, it's we. we we're sort of like somewhere between a, uh, you know, normal band and a cult band, I guess. Uh huh. Uh huh. That, that seems. Is that a good place to be? I reckon it is. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's longevity. I mean, we've been touring America now for thirty-four years, so it seems to be paying off. We sort of we just quietly go along playing to our audience. You know, no matter what fat phase comes and goes. You know, we've survived so many phases. We've outlived grunge. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you formed now and said, if you formed now and said we're a grunge band, people would laugh, wouldn't they? And and yet, um, you know, it's grunge came along and almost wiped us out. Yeah. But we kept going. So um, we just keep doing what we do, and it's yeah, America likes that, I guess. Yeah. Sure. That's awesome. Well, hey, Steve, thank you so much for your time thank today. Thank you, mate. It's been okay. great chatting. I know you've got some other press to do before you get a swim at Coogee. So um, have a great day and all the best for the shows. Okay. There you go, Steve Kilby. That was super interesting and what an articulate guy. I could have spoken to him all day. But I was uh, very grateful for the window that we got. So talking about the ones we love celebrating 
1992. Those shows are coming up very soon in Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney. Check your guides for that. And also the church celebrating 30 years of the Starfish record. And there'll be a tour around Australia and um, parts of the United States later this year as well. All right, good stuff. Good stuff going on. Hey, how interesting was it? When, when I think of grunge bands, you know, destroying everything, I, I think of the hair metal bands that got crushed in the grunge wave of the early 90s. I, you know, I hadn't thought that, you know, the so-called indie bands, you know, like The Church or, or R.E.M. or other bands of that ilk might, might have felt a bit of the downward pressure as well from the grunge. Wow. Very interesting perspective. All right. Hey, it's time to go. My name's Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope to catch you next time. Bye now.